My name is Mike Dice of the Extra Rounds podcast. Typically, we stream our episodes live on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. But we had a lot of fighters to interview for the doubleheader in Bellator, and we wanted to go ahead and upload them as a special event-only preview to the podcast. So thank you for checking this out. Uh, today, we will talk to the fighters of Bellator 166. Though I want to issue a little disclaimer that these interviews were recorded before Thanksgiving. So if you hear them talking in a certain tense that doesn't make sense, that's why. Also, this was before the Emmanuel Sanchez-AJ McKee fight was pulled off the card. So uh, we've included the interview so you could hear what they had to say. But let's start with the main event. Eduardo Dantos defending his Bantamweight Championship against the baddest man, Joe Warren. Let's talk to Joe first. Hey, Joe, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to us during a holiday. Uh, yeah, no problem. Is it frustrating having to be in training camp uh, during Thanksgiving? Not really. You know, I mean, I'm I'm staying home with the family anyway, so still probably go over to my mom's house and hang out, uh, eat some turkey, but I'm not going to be eating pies and, and all the other stuff right now. But, um, no, you know, I'm usually always in a camp, um, and so it, it seems pretty normal. In this matchup, you won the first matchup. Do you feel like there is a blueprint to beating him from that time? No, I think we're different fighters now. Um, I believe every fight's different. Any time you get in that cage, most unpredictable place in the world, you can't really you can't really think that anything's going to happen the same way as it did. I believe he's matured. I've matured. Uh, I believe he's turned kind of into a point fighter. Uh, winning with his jab and his kick, and uh, you're not going to be able to point fight me. I'm not going down with a jab or a kick. So, um, yeah, I believe, you know, like I've said over and over, that match, uh, MMA is a matchup sport, and I'm a bad matchup for him, and I'm excited to get in there and beat his ass in that Bellator cage, get my belt back. Do you feel a bit of deja vu, or are you superstitious at all? You know, you defeated him in Thackerville for the title the first time or the last time, and now you guys are meeting in the same place? Yeah, I just I don't believe in – in luck or superstition, you know, um, just preparation. Um, I'm excited that it's back at Thackerville. Uh, that I believe that's um, like my home fighting territory. I fought there so many times, five or six times. Won world titles there, lost world titles there, had crazy fights, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm real comfortable with where the fight is and who the fighter is. So, um, I'm pretty excited that, that I get an opportunity to win another belt in Thackerville. You mentioned point fighting. Um, obviously, Floyd Mayweather kind of made that really successful in uh, boxing. But you've kind of seen a little bit of a trend with MMA fighters kind of point fighting to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's good or bad for the sport of MMA? Well, I mean, that's that's the evolution of MMA. You know, you're going to see that. You're going to see the only person that can point fight someone is an extremely technical fighter. Okay, and that's that's exactly who Dantes is, a young explosive, scary, technical fighter, man. And if you can point fight a guy, look what he did to Galvoda last time, made him look like Swiss cheese's face, uh, just point fight him, beat him with a jab, beat him with a kick, just moved, you know. Um, that's a different fight than me. You know, you can't beat me with, uh, you know, staying away from me. I'm not going to let that happen. I'll eat a bunch of punches to get to you to take you down. So it's a different person. But, yeah, I believe MMA – you're going to see a lot of different things. You're going to see those real high-level jiu-jitsu guys just 
you know, use their hands strictly to get to uh, uh, pulling guard position and uh, finishing people. And then you're going to see high-level technical fighters like Dantes win the point game. So it's, uh, it's, you know, the sport's evolving, and uh, fighters are getting more dangerous and more technical. So um, it's going to be exciting to watch the sport in the next few years. Now, you obviously have a wrestling background, and you've been really successful with it. What allows you, with your wrestling, to like overpower people who are strong in jiu-jitsu? What makes the wrestling better? It's just position. You know, the, their jiu-jitsu is better than mine. I'm more of an anti-jiu-jitsu guy. Um, you know, I still have been caught. We've all seen it. You know, I'm, I'm a public fighter. You know, my best and my worst moments are always in that Bellator cage live. Uh, so that's good and bad. But, um you, you know, I mean, I, I just focus on position and pressure, you know, and try to, when I'm on top of a person, um, you know, try to dominate them with some kind of power and hurt and hurt them a little bit uh, so that their jujitsu is a little, is not as technical as it normally would, as it would have to, he'd have to throw things up instead of technically set things up. And I think that that comes with my pressure and my, te- and my power. I was wondering if you have any thoughts on your future uh, after this fight. You know, do you um, see yourself fighting for a few more years, defending the title several times, or are you kind of thinking the Dan Henderson route? I'm just going to, you know, win and walk away. Yeah, well, you know, Dan's uh, like six years older than me. So, possibly, you know, maybe in six years we'll do that. Uh, Right now I'm focused on getting this belt back and uh, continuing to be uh, successful. I've always wanted to have uh, some kind of career behind uh, the camera or uh, on the microphone for MMA, and um, that's still something I'd like to do. I mean, I'd be honored to be able to work with Bellator and Viacom after I'm done. Uh, But, you know, first things first, uh, I'm in a situation to be, you know, the best in the world again uh, at one in Bantamweight, so I'm focused on that. And then uh, we'll go one fight at a time here and see what happens. You talk about wanting to work on the analyst. They had Chael Sonnen uh, working commentary during the fights the last time. Have you kind of reached out to him and like, hey, I'd like to get in on some of that? Yeah, Chael, Chael is a good friend of mine. We've been we've wrestled together for I can't even tell you how long since high school. So um, yeah, I mean he's the best in the business at it. There's no one better than Chael. Okay, I mean he is he is the best at you know color commentating, uh, uh, stirring the pot, um, you know, just analyzing fights. I believe that the two of us could be a killer combo. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm still fighting for belts, not just fighting for uh, for money and for viewers right now. So I think once I am past that belt uh, opportunities, which I don't know when that will be, hopefully I get an opportunity to um, step in and, um, you know, speak about Bellator like I should. You know, he has his uh, submission underground too. Have you... Um, thought about the two of you potentially being able to commentate for that? Oh, man, I mean, uh, I've been on his show a few times. I, I do a lineup MMA uh, podcast with Ben Askren and Sean Wheelock. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, these are things that I've been I've been working on, and, um, you know, I can always learn from Chael because he's the best in the business at that. But, yeah, I mean, any time I could be able to work with, uh, with a friend like that, I'd be honored. You know, all the craze seems to be um, too – belts uh, simultaneously right now you've won uh, at bantamweight and featherweight in uh, bellator is that a goal that maybe you didn't think about before that now you maybe think is realistic for you to achieve and do you... no i mean um 
I'm, I'm a 135er. I'm a Bantamweight guy. I was fighting 145 because Bellator didn't have 135 at the time. Um, if if my if Scott Coker and Bellator and Vicom they want me to bump up and fight 145 for another belt, I'd be honored to. You know, I mean, we don't get paid the money that these 170s and heavyweight fighters do, uh, even though we put on better fights. You know, um, still the the bantamweight and featherweight divisions aren't getting taken care of like they should. And, um, you know, for me to get an opportunity for to fight for another belt, you know, I'd, I'd be honored. But first things first, I got to get this first one. So, so we're, uh, we're focused on next week's uh, Friday. And, uh, I was wondering if maybe you had some insight, you know, you talk about, uh, you're analyzing, um, to the co-main event, you fought both guys in that fight. How do you feel that one plays out? Um, Co-main event, what, Galvo and, and Elsie? Yeah. Yeah, I think Galvo crushes Elsie, but, um, you know, you never know. It's a, you, can't, you can't, you know, that's why it's really hard to uh, predict fights because it's an actual fight. It's not a, it's not a hoax, and um, you never know what's going to happen in that cage. I say it to you before, it's most unpredictable place in the world. Um, you know, I, I never thought that uh, I was going to get verbally submitted by and get my belt taken from me from Marcus. <laughs> And uh, that did happen. So it kind of sucks, you know. So I think that Marcus will win. But um, that being said, you never know. You know, I mean, uh, I'm excited to see the fight. That unpredictability, though, is what makes the sport uh, incredible. Yep, yep. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us during a holiday week. No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Best of luck to you. So there you have it. The call with Joe Warren. Let's talk to his opponent, Eduardo Dantas. Uh, he doesn't speak English really well, so he's using the help of a translator. His name is Escobar. Hey, how are you? Hey, hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. No problem. He's fighting uh, Warren, who he's fought before. They say rematches favor the opponent who lost. Does he agree with this sentiment? Yeah, he's, uh, he's the only loss he has in, in, in Bellator, and uh, he's looking forward for this fight for a long time. What did he learn the first time around that uh, is going to help him get the win this time? Uh, I think that a lot of a lot of factors uh, have changed since last fight, but specifically he he after his first loss, uh, his loss to, to the first fight, he learned uh, to like more and more wrestling. So now he is not not only practicing wrestling but he's studying wrestling. And he's understanding better, so I think he he believes that is the biggest change in his game. He mentioned wanting this rematch when he won the title, and it was coming time to make his first title defense. Did he want Warren to be that fight? Previously, he was expecting to be someone else, but once they announced Warren, uh, he he was actually more happy. Who did he think that they were gonna? Schedule him originally. He's fought uh, opponents multiple times before. Is there's is there something that's harder about fighting somebody twice? Uh, it's, it's, it's natural. Uh, it's just a rematch, and uh, you you can you can bring more weapons to the fight. Uh, once you fought a person before, you start knowing a little better about that person. And so it's, it's natural. It's, it's part of the sport. It doesn't see any problem. He mentioned that he worked on his wrestling. 
is it frustrating for him to fight a guy who primarily likes to wrestle? Yeah, he said he was not frustrated, but uh, just disappointed because he wasn't able to impose any of his game. So that that was what bothered him the most. So he wanted to apply something, and he wasn't able to do it. Um, so yeah, he he, he said this time going to be different. Now he's won the belt before. How much harder is it to uh, defend the belt than it is to win the belt? He says uh, his pressure is not, and uh, like he doesn't have any pressure when he he's uh, fighting for the belt or defending the belt. For him, this doesn't change a thing. Uh, his motivation uh, this time especially comes because he's he's fighting a guy that he lost he had a loss before. So it's a uh, opportunity to overcome uh, and and you know erase that loss from his his cartel and. That's his motivation about the belt itself. He says, "Doesn't matter if I have the belt or if I'm gonna fight for the belt, uh, because in the end of the day, I have to win the fight anyways. Otherwise, the belt will, will not come back home with me, with him. So, for him, it's the same." His former teammate Marcos uh, is also fighting on the card. Have they talked at all, or are looking forward to fighting at the same event? Uh, he says, uh, yeah, for, for sure he's very happy having uh, Marcos Galvão in the same card because he, he knows about uh, Galvão's history and he knows all his, his journey in the sport. So it doesn't doesn't make him any any happy fighting against him. He never liked to fight uh, Marcos Galvão. Uh, he just did because he's, he's, he's part of the sport, he's a professional, but he enjoys to see Galvão fighting and... and you know, doing his thing. So he's very happy to have him the same card. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you. I appreciate There you have it. Hearing from the champion himself, Eduardo Dantas, and his translator, Escobar. Let's keep it rolling and go to the co-main event, which is also a Bantamweight showdown between Elsie Davis and Marcos Galvoa. First, let's talk to Elsie Davis. Hey, how are you? Thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. No problem. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good, man. The most notable thing is that you've been uh, away for a long time. What have you been doing in, since your last fight? Uh, well, I was recovering from ACL reconstruction and uh, just uh, getting prepared to come back and dominate. You know, anytime somebody in combat sports is away for a long time, everybody always asks about ring rust. Are you a believer? Do you think that's all hype? Is there a secret to to get around it? Um, I think ring rust is a mental thing, you know what I mean? Um, if you allow ring rust to mess with your head, then it will mess with your head. If you believe that you're not going to have no ring rust, then you won't have no ring rust. The mind is so strong, man, so it really just comes down and down to what you believe, you know, and I don't believe I'm going to have no ring rust. I believe I'm going to come back and put on a exciting, dominating performance, and that's what I'm expecting to do. You know, you talk about the mental side of things. It's easy to work on the physical things. You practice, you train, you work out, you lift weights. You know, what do you do uh, to work out the mental aspect of the game? Yeah, man, that's, that's very true. It, it, it's hard, and a lot of people neglect the mental side of things. Um, but I do a lot of different things. I, uh, I do visualization. 
um, I, I do a lot of like writing and uh, uh, reading and, you know, just thinking about how I'm going to perform. I also do a lot of like, um, I guess it's like positive affirmations. Like I'll just tell myself, I'll try to tell myself like a hundred times a day, I'm in great shape. I'm in great shape. or I'm, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to win this fight. Uh, you'll catch me just walking around saying, I'm going to win this fight. I'm going to win this fight. No one can stop me. No one can stop me. No one can stop me. And, and before you know it, you say things a million times. You start believing it. I had a um, sports psychology class in college that uh, my teacher told us that, um, you know, like smokers, if you if you say I am smoke-free for like 100 times a day for 30 days, by that 30th day, you will be smoke-free. You won't even want to touch a cigarette. So that's just how strong the mind is. And so I just try to, you know, do things to build up my mind as well as my body. So that sports psychology degree really kind of gives you an advantage over opponents in fighting that a lot of fighters don't have as a resource. Yeah, I don't have a sports psychology degree. I just took a class. You know, I have an exercise science degree, actually. And uh, I have a psychology minor, and so I had to take a lot of psychology classes, and it definitely, you know, definitely gave me a little edge on on my competition. I believe. Is that something you're in the gym training young fighters that you're constantly trying to instill in them this that side of things? Absolutely, man. Because you know, nowadays, you know, with the evolution of sports, man, everyone everyone trains hard. Everyone eats well everyone's getting the dolce diet and the nutritionist and everyone has a strength conditioning coach and a boxing coach so everyone's doing the right things but the the thing that people are missing is the mind you know and and you know the thing that's going to separate those guys you know one guy is you know doing everything right and the other guy's doing everything right but who's training the mind who has the strongest mind and that's really what it comes down to you know a high level athlete i'm fighting a former world champion on you know in one of the best organizations in the world so you know what the thing that separates me from him is going to be my mind and my heart that's interesting that you mentioned everybody has the coach and the diet experts and you know everybody's kind of caught up in that regard it, i mean i guess it seems like it would only be a matter of time before everybody caught up with the psychology and the mental aspect of things is there something you see as being like the next frontier for athletic development Yes, I do. I think, um, yeah, like you said, like the sports evolve, everyone evolves, and I think that's the last piece of the puzzle. That's the thing that, you know, a lot of people are neglecting, and um, eventually they'll start catching on to that as well. So um, that's just the evolution of the sport, man. Uh, it's crazy to see what athletes do now compared to 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Like everyone in every sport is always evolving. Like that, like old guys that say, "Oh, my sport was better back in the day." Well, they're full of crap, man. <laughs> the guys now are better athletes. The football players are better. The basketball players are better. The MMA fighters are better. And that's just how how things go when you evolve. And correct me if I'm wrong. You have a wrestling background, correct? Yeah, I wrestled in high school and college. Yeah. So um, Bellator has been signing a lot of amateur wrestlers and. You know, for a long time, maybe amateur wrestlers did the sport because they loved it, but there wasn't a clear vision to a future like a football player or a basketball player as far as like professional sports goes. Um, how big of an impact is that having on amateur wrestling that MMA is embracing them? Oh, man. It's huge because um, 
like when I grew up, it wasn't cool to wrestle. You know, like the cool thing to do is play basketball. You know, um, wrestling, you had to wear this tight uniform that no one really wanted to do. But MMA has helped it out, helped wrestling out a lot because you see wrestlers, we're able to see guys like Frankie Edgar, uh, or Randy Couture, Dan Henderson, these pioneers, uh, your Daniel Cormier, these guys that were great wrestlers that come right into the sport of MMA and dominate. So what that does is tell wrestlers like, oh, man, I have something after wrestling. And what it does to these little kids, they see, wow, I love MMA, but I realize to be good in MMA, I need to be good at wrestling. So, And, you know, you get guys wanting to go to high school and wrestle now, wanting to start wrestling at an early age. And it's definitely helped the sport of wrestling, and I think it will continue to help the sport of wrestling. You're back. You're fighting a former champion. Um, do you feel like this this fight puts you right back in, you know, within a few fights or in the title contention picture? Like this is the right opponent to kind of jump right back in, right in the deep end? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I got the right opponent. I'm fighting the former world champ. This is his first fight since losing the belt. I'm fighting the same night as the the, the title fight. So, um, but it's it's in my hands, you know. I have this great opportunity, but it's up to me to do something with it. You know, I could go out there and put up a lame performance. I can go out there and put a subpar decision win, or I can go out there and starch them and make a statement. So, you know, it's up to me, and I'm looking to uh, make the most out of this opportunity, and I'm looking to go out there and. You know, not just knock on the door for a title shot. I want to kick the door down and let them know that it's my title shot. You know, you were talking about earlier speaking things into um, existence, so to speak, with the psychology aspect of that. When you're going into a fight, are you thinking, are you doing that saying, I'm going to win the fight, or do you emphasize how you're going to win the fight? I, yeah, I don't really like to do how I'm going to win the fight because fights are so unpredictable, and then, like, if you get one track bit on how you think the fight's going to go and it end up it starts going a different way, then it could really mess with your mind. So I just try to uh, focus on winning, you know, the end goal. You know, I, I focus on the things I need to do to win and, and winning. You know, I don't want to say, hey, I'm going to do this exact thing and that's going to win me the fight. I just go in there saying, hey, this is the game plan I need to execute to win the fight. And if I execute this game plan, I will win the fight. And that's what I use to uh, motivate me and keep my head strong. You're fighting back to back, uh, back to back. You're fighting champions. You know, is there something you walked away from that Joe Warren fight with? Uh, you know, a lesson learned or whatever you'd be that's going to help you in this next event? Yeah, um, I, I, I just learned that in the Joe Warren fight, I wasn't there mentally. I um, I suffered a little injury before the fight that I thought was just like a minor knee sprain and come to find out it was a torn ACL after the fight. So I went into that fight, you know, with the injury that I was trying to block out mentally, but I wasn't able to train properly. I couldn't even wrestle. I, I couldn't focus on wrestling and I was going against one of the best wrestlers there was because my knee was like not stable. So, you know, uh, that, that hurt me mentally. So, you know, I wasn't headstrong. I wasn't going into the fight positive, knowing that I can do anything. I can beat anyone. You know, I went in there like, oh, I feel okay. I hope I can do it, you know. So 
So, you know, in order to beat the best guys in the world, you have to be at your best and you have to have your best mind on your, you have to have the best head on your shoulders. And I didn't have that. And this fight I do, and you're going to see a big difference in this fight. You know, there's a, a trend where, you know, fighters are recognizing if their body's not a hundred percent before <laughs> fighting. Um, unlike they have in the past, instead of fighting through injuries to stay on a card, they're recognizing that they need to heal. Um, and fans kind of sometimes react negatively to that. Do you think that's unfair? Yeah. Um, yes and no. Because when you tell the fans you're fighting, you tell your friends and family, buy a ticket to the fight, it's kind of like, and you sign a contract with Bellator to fight, it's kind of like your responsibility to make it to the fight. So, you know, it's your responsibility to not get hurt. But we're also in the sport of MMA where we're tearing our bodies up in practice to prepare for a fight. And the only way to prepare for a fight is fighting every day. So you're bound to get bumps and bruises. You know, I've had a long career. I've had several fights where I've fought injured and fought with injuries. Um, so I don't want to make an excuse my last fight, you know, saying, oh, well, I lost because I had an injury. I really think I lost because my head wasn't there. My head wasn't there because of the injury, but, you know, it, it has nothing to do with the injury. Your your mind's the biggest thing. And, um, you know, when my when my mind is there, I feel like no one can stop me, and, and that's what it all comes down to. So, um, you know, the guys that aren't able to fight with the injury is probably because they're not mentally – able to get over the injury i've been a real headstrong guy i've I, you know i fought takaro with a broken jaw you know i fought i fought guys with a broken foot and i you know I, i've been able to stay real headstrong and it all just comes down to my mind you know yeah thank you so much for uh taking the time to talk to us best of luck to you in your fight i appreciate it thank you all right that was elsie davis talking about all sorts of great things. I really found his talk about psychology fascinating. It's become a trend that we hear a lot more. Uh, on The Ultimate Fighter, we heard fighters talking about visualization. Of course, Conor McGregor's made it uh, a tenant of his career. So really fascinating to hear him talk about it and see him embracing it and knowing that this is a trend. More fighters are going to embrace this and use this kind of mental psychology to give themselves an edge. But let's keep it rolling, and let's talk to his opponent, Marcos Galvoa. Marcos is speaking with the help of a translator named Sergio. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. You're both uh, coming off of a loss. When two opponents are coming off of a loss, does it make it harder? Is there more drive on both sides? Yeah, he said um, it's a very, it's going to be a cautious. And more calculated, uh, more precise. They know the importance of the. You're a jujitsu practitioner. This is a, a wrestler that you're facing. Uh, you know, both strong grappling disciplines and arguably foundations for MMA. But I was wondering, which do you think is better? Um, they each complement each other. But, you know, once it hits the ground, it's definitely the jujitsu is a stronger uh, martial art. What is but it? They go, they go hand in hand, is what he's saying. What is it about jujitsu that makes it better? Um, more finishes, more submissions. You know, like uh, in jujitsu, you don't in wrestling. It's more uh, grappling and holding. 
more and dominating, uh, getting dominant positions where in jiu-jitsu you're actually finishing the fight. Would you call this a de facto number one contender bout? Yeah, without a doubt, um, there's no one else uh, above uh, myself and and Davis. So they had a uh, what's um, uh, what's I forgot his name now, the, uh, Caldwell, but he lost. So I think that between me and Elsie Davis now. Does the bantamweight title fight being on the same card make it more exciting, or is it a, kind of a distraction? Well, my priority right now is to focus on Elsie Davis. I don't want to worry about Dantas or Joe Warren until I'm done with Davis. After I beat Davis, then I'll go up and down and watch that fight. But right now, my priority is on healthy Davis. Is this a weird spot to be in? Your your I mean, your friend Dantas is uh, is fighting for the title, or if he wins, it's harder for him to get another shot. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. You know, I'm I'm a guy who I'll never give up, and even though I lost him twice. I'm gonna keep chasing that power again, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get my belt back. His opponent, Elsie Davis, has been away for a long time. Does, is he a believer in ring rust? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'm gonna say my first-hand experience uh, when I fought Dantas the second time around. I, I hadn't fought in a long time. I, I was on a good rhythm before, and then when I didn't fight for so long, I definitely felt ring rust. What is it about the layoff that makes it so hard? Yeah, it's all about timing. Next year, I want to be able to fight, you know, three minimum, and hopefully four or five times. Um, you know, you lose the timing. When you don't fight for a long time, your timing inside the cage, you definitely feel it. Speaking of him wanting to fight more next year, uh, Bellator's done a lot expanding into Europe. Is he hoping that they'll kind of come to Brazil at some point as well? Yeah, without a doubt, that's definitely uh, on top of my priorities. But um, in all honesty, uh, now that I'm living in New York and since MMA got legalized in New York, I'd rather fight here first. Uh, how much would it mean to him to be able to fight in New York? It's going to mean a lot to me, to, you know, to be able to fight, especially in a big venue like either Madison Square Garden or the Barclays Center, because I teach here, I train here, I made this my second home, and I'm going to have a lot of people the crowd is going to be in my, in my favor, so... It's going to mean a lot to me to be able to fight at home. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Let's move right along to the third featured bout of the night between Ben Reeder and Chris Honeycutt. Let's talk to Ben first. Hey, Ben, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. How are you? Good. Thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. No, thanks for having me. You're still living in Peru, right? I am, yeah. How's uh how's life in Peru? So I go uh pretty good. Pretty good. We're in Lima right now. When I when I first moved to Peru I was in Arequipa, um, which is kinda more in the mountains a little bit, and now uh now we're in Lima, capital on the coast. Um but yeah, it's good over there. I I'm here in, I'm in Albuquerque right now, um preparing for the fight. So I come out before, you know, before each fight. But, uh, but yeah, pretty good. When, like, Thanksgiving's coming up, is it hard to be away from your family? They're back in Peru, or do you enjoy being here for kind of the beginning of the holiday season? How's that factor in? It's tough always. Honestly, it's always, it's always, uh, yeah, I have two kids. Um, it's always tough to be away from, away from my wife and the kids. And it just kind of, 
you know, when I'm here, it's just I really get to work. You know, I make sure I don't don't uh, waste any minute of, of the training camp here. Um, and yeah, it's um, you know, yeah, tough during the holidays, but I'm I'm happy. I'll be you know I'll be back for back for Christmas and be back soon enough. When you're training in Albuquerque, away from your family, do you kind of feel like like at least that silver lining is that you get to focus dedic you know completely on that? You're not worried about uh, your family and that kind of. Um, I guess, but I'd prefer to. I mean, we're we're looking at maybe just you know just moving out over here too, because I I like to you know I don't I don't want to miss. Um, it's just tough being away every time, so that's that's uh, you know. I'm, it's a couple months before each fight, so um, you know we're looking at making a move over here. Does it motivate you though? Like you feel like you, I mean you're investing more than you, maybe other fighters uh, by sacrificing time away from your family. Does that motivate you to really you know make sure that you go out and get the win? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a motivation. It definitely, definitely throughout the whole training camp. Um, you know, I just think like. It's. I don't. I don't waste any 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 bit of that training camp because it's just you know it, it's uh, that time I could be with my family. So I just make sure to get, um, you know, just train really hard, be the most prepared I could be, and yeah, it's definitely a motivating factor for sure. Now you're 17 and one, which is a great record. You know you're three and four in Bellator. Do you feel like uh, you've gotten the push you deserve, or is it you know kind of time to propel you into the title picture and kind of you know, up the level of competition? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I've been around for, for a while, a lot of fights. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I would love to get, you know, I would love to get to that, that title contention, uh, fight big names. Um, I think this fight coming up will, will, will help me get closer to that. Um, but, yeah, that's obviously, you know, that's, that's where I want to be. You know, going into your last fight, you said you wanted to impose your will, and you did. Do you think you'll still be able to do that in this fight with Chris Honeycutt? Yeah, well, Chris Honeycutt is, is obviously a really good wrestler, um, but uh, but I feel like you know I have uh, I have a lot of MMA experience, and I'm just gonna kind of yeah I'm gonna go in there, and you know there's a there's a few few things that that uh, you know we prepare strategically for each for each bout, um, but, you know, I'm going to definitely, you know, look to do what I always do as well, you know, so, so yeah, I, I, I think so. You have a strong grappling game. Do you feel like his wrestling's an issue, or do you feel like you can match him in that area? Um, you know, like, he's, uh, I, I have a lot of respect for him, you know, he's a great athlete, um, he's a really incredible collegiate wrestler. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I feel like my, uh, my grappling has been like really well adapted to MMA and, um, and I just, you know, I feel good about all the tools I have that I bring to this fight. Honeycutt's, uh, you know, he's fought at welterweight. I think he's coming back to middleweight for this fight. Is, is it difficult for that? Do you think that size will be an issue? Um, I know that, you know, it looks like, uh, it looks like he's, an okay size middleweight. I'm not. I'm, I was surprised that he was fighting at at welterweight because he wrestled at 197. So I was I was kind of surprised to see him fight at welterweight. 
Um, so it looks like he's a, he's an he's an okay size uh, middleweight, but uh, but I know that it would be it would, it would be impossible for me to make 170. So uh, you know maybe I I might have a little bit of size on him. Is that an advantage? You know, some pe- everybody talks about weight cuts when people are going up. That uh, you know not being able or not having to cut as much weight like he uh, might be in that situation might benefit him. Do you feel that that's an issue? Big weight cuts? Yeah, well, you know, somebody who maybe has to make a bigger weight cut fighting somebody who doesn't have to cut as much weight. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I think it, it I think it depends on the person how, you know, it's it's just like it's a it's a fine line, right? You you want to be um, you want to have size for your weight class, but you don't want to overdo it and, and not be able to recover in time for the fight. So, um, I've, I've found that balance, you know, I, I like, I like where I'm at at 185. So I know that I'll be showing up to the fight feeling awesome. Charisma plays such a part of, um, everything. And a lot of people feel like the middleweight division, the champion at least lacks that. Do you, do you kind of agree with that sentiment? And do you feel like, you know, maybe it's time for somebody else to come in and kind of change up this division that he lacks charisma um i i think uh i mean he's a champ you know he earned his he earned that he earned that belt um so i think that's you know that's great for him you know i think uh i think he's obviously a very skilled fighter um there's a lot of guys in the weight class right now that i think you know were knocked on the door and uh you know i would love to get that title shot you know i'm obviously very focused on 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 my fight right now with Chris Honeycutt. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, I, we just got to kind of see how it plays out. You know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a handful of, of talented athletes in that division and, you know, see, uh, you know, we'll have to just kind of keep testing against those guys. What do you think about guys like, uh, Rory McDonald and Chael Sonnen coming in who, uh, could walk in and I don't want to say, jump the line but you know work their way quickly into the title picture do you think you know if somebody who could potentially be 18 and one uh with you know four wins in bellator do you think that's fair um well you know i think that uh i guess specifically talking about you know that's kind of like uh you know that's that's where i'm at so i think uh i think i've, I've earned you know, to fight with some big names, but those guys have also, I mean, the two examples that you just pulled up, you know, Chelsea and Roy McDonald, those guys have, those guys have earned their way, um, just in the sport in general. So it's kind of, you know, whatever, whatever the organization, you know, whatever Bellator thinks is best with that, you know, those guys have been around for a while and they, they both have done a lot in this sport. So I wouldn't really say it would be like, you know, that it would be unfair, um, for them to, fight for either you know the top contender or, or title fight um off the bat because they've they've proven themselves you know just in the sport they've been in a long time and you've uh you mentioned potentially moving stateside right yeah if you did would you look to um maybe fight more frequently is that like a goal of yours or are you kind of happy with the you know i think this will be your second fight this year are you kind of happy with that pace no i 100 percent want to fight a lot more frequently um i would have fought more frequently you know from peru as well um so i i just uh yeah i'd, I'd like to fight a lot more frequently i feel like that's kind of 
well, especially, you know, if you don't come out with any in- injuries, you know, like after my last fight, I was totally fine. Um, after all, yeah, all of, actually, I haven't had any, you know, real injuries. You know, I've, I've, I've been good after after the fight before that as well. So I'd, I'd like to fight. When you're healthy, I'd like to get back in there um, more frequently because I just feel like it, you know, it keeps you sharp and staying active is important. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you in your fight. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the interview. Now let's go straight into the interview with Chris Honeycutt. Hey, how are you? Hey, what's up, Mike? How you been? I'm good. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to us during the holiday week. Oh, no problem. It's uh, no holiday for me. It's work week. <laughs> Is it difficult to uh, be in the middle of training camp during Thanksgiving? Not at middleweight. <laughs> <laughs> It would be it would be a hell of a time at welterweight, but middleweight, uh, I still get to eat some. I get to still eat some turkey. Speaking of which, you bounced back and forth between Put them pies. Yeah. What kind of pie do you like? One more time. Oh, what kind of pie? Oh, I'll eat them all. But mm-hmm. we'll put them we'll put them in the freezer for an extra week, and I'll indulge when I get back. So you mentioned uh, being at middleweight. You fought at both divisions. Do you think middleweight's the future going forward, or are you kind of open between going back and forth? Um, I'm well. I don't know necessarily not going back and forth. I don't. I, I, I'm open to going down for a, for a particular fight, or or I mean, I'm never. I'll never object to you know getting into camp and going out there and earning earning a paycheck, but. Um, it sounds like that middleweight's going to be more or less my home. Is it just because the weight cut's easier? or? Well, it's definitely a lot easier. But uh, I, 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 with the new restrictions and the whole thing that they're doing with the weight or that they have done with the weight cutting and all that, it's, uh, it, it adds another level of, I'm going to say nerves, but um, fears, I guess you could say. I'm... You know, for someone to, for me to, you know, go through an eight to ten week training camp and be highly prepared for a fight and to make the weight and to have someone on a commission board, you know, cut my fight um, for whatever reason is, uh, you know, that would scare the hell out of me um, come fight fight week and fight time because not necessarily the fight getting cut, but it, that with me not if I don't fight, then I don't make any money, so. It's uh, it's putting my li- livelihood at risk. So, I mean, it's one thing if it was, you know, not fighting, but it, I, you know, I, I lose my paycheck. You know, as much as people talk about weight cutting and you know the changes, I don't think any have ever actually heard anybody express concern uh, with the commission. Um, why do you think that is? Well, well, they follow the. Well, I mean, the commission is ultimately the one that um, follows those. They're, they're like, like the law enforcement of the new rules. So, I have no, no nothing, nothing against them. They're just they're just enforcing what the what the regulations are. So, it, it is what it is. But and I and I get that the commission's always out there to you know for the safety of the fighter. But they're they're more concerned with safety than it is you know livelihood and and you know. For some people that don't do the weight cutting appropriately, then, that, that, then that's one thing. But, 
you know, who's to say one does one the right way or the wrong way, you know? Right. Um, going into this matchup, some might say that, you know, you're the smaller guy going up to, uh, you know, up against a bigger opponent. Do you see it that way at all? And does that bother you? Um, I don't know. I stood next to him. I know he's taller than me. I think I have a bigger reach than him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be stronger than me. Uh, he might have a, he might, I mean, we both stepped on a scale right before the fight as we're entering the ring. He might be a couple pounds heavier, but I don't think it's going to be enough to really dictate, you know, him, him having a huge size difference. I'm, uh, maybe if I fought him on my last fight, I could probably say otherwise, but this is, I've had some time now to prepare and uh, have a training camp as a middleweight. So I'm, uh, you know, much, much more, uh, bigger and developed is as far as my size goes now than I was in my last fight. So my last fight was only six weeks after my last fight at uh, welterweight. So I didn't really change my um, camp up too much because I didn't have enough time to really become a true middleweight fighter. But now, you know, I'm walking around at 205, 206 pounds is in, and by all means, I'm not a, uh, I don't have a lot of extra loose skin laying around. It's uh, I'm still pretty, you know, ripped up, and uh, you know, I'm ready to make this weight cut and uh, you know, go out there and get the win, and you know, show everyone that middleweight's my home and that's where I belong. Now, Ben's a guy who likes to uh, kind of you know, get people to the ground, impose his will. You know, you're a wrestler as well, but you have, you know, tremendous striking ability. Also, you present a really balanced uh, attack. Do you kind of expect him to try and stick what he's used to and try and challenge you on the ground, or are you expecting him to kind of try and keep it on the feet? No, I think he's going to try to get it to the ground. Uh, uh, I watched not all, but a lot of his fights, and pretty much every fight that he's had prior to Bellator, that's what he was able to successfully do easily. I mean, I don't think he, he, other than maybe one attempt here and there, he pretty much was able to force the will on all of his opponents. And, um, you know, I'm not shy to, to play in that game with him or not, but I feel like my, uh, you know, as far as my bucket of tools is, uh, is much wider. I can stand, I can wrestle. I can force my will on him as well. Um, so I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like he will continue to do what Ben does and I will be the one that dictates if he's able to do that or not. I, I plan to put on the feet for a little bit. I feel like he's a little timid there. So I would like to keep on the feet for a little bit just to see, uh, you know, see what he does and how he reacts to that. Because if, if I see that he's, uh, you know, hesitant to pull the trigger or this or that, I'll just pick, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that apart. And if he, uh, you know, if he really wants to force, you know, force his will upon me per se on the takedown game, then, you know, at the moment I'll make that decision if, uh, if I'll allow that or not. But, um, by all means, I have no, no problem, you know, playing that game as well. You know, when, you, when you're going up against somebody who likes to get it to the ground, given your wrestling pedigree, are you just kind of salivating at the thought of this? Is this like, do you think 
man, this guy is going to play right into my skill set and this is going to be easy? Um, as a whole, I think the fight should be easy. Obviously, uh, you know, anything can happen in a fight. Um, you know, anything can happen to either of us before the fight as far as, you know, just how we feel or, you know, just little injuries from the camp or, or something lingering. I, I mean, I have no idea how, how his camp's going. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I can't. I just. I mean, I try. I'm trying to try to keep a uh, uh, even keel about it because I don't really know what um, what his abilities are outside of the, what I've seen on all of his fights that I have watched. But um, so I'm not going to say that that's definitely what he's going to do or that's all he can do. But. Um, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited to to get into you know to get into scrap with him because if he wants to do that and I play into it, it will be uh, it will certainly be an exerting fight. One of us will uh, will get tired, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be me. He doesn't have a he doesn't have an Ed Ruth or a Duran win in the training room on a day to day basis. That's fresh off the highest level of wrestling, and uh, you know relying on that uh, you know to to win each round and uh, last question you know you're four uh four out of five wins bellator you know excluding the one no contest is there a sense of urgency to kind of move things along and get into the contender mix or are you kind of comfortable with the pace that uh, your career is going right now uh well there's no contest was a huge setback because if that fight would have went another minute and 50 seconds we went to the third round which then if it would have been stopped then it would have went to the scorecards and i clearly won the first round and i was winning the second before it stopped obviously i'm a little biased on that but if you look at i watched the fight over and over again it, i outstriked him and uh he was backing up more than i was and up until the headbutt took place and then that rematch would never have happened so therefore i probably would have still been undefeated and uh you know i feel like that set me back as far as you know becoming a contender at the welterweight which then i took a couple i took my next fight at welterweight then and then moving up to middleweight uh i think set me back a little bit more maybe not too much maybe a fight or two but uh you know I don't really have a sense of urgency for the belt. Um, the only thing I would like to do is fight. So if I, as long as I'm fighting, the belt will come. I mean, I will eventually be the champion. It's just, is it the next fight? Is it the fight after? Or is it the fight after that? But, uh, you know, you can only beat so many people before they have to give you that chance. Well, thank you uh, so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you. No, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Enjoy the pies in a couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. The only two interviews from Bellator 166 that we have left are Manuel Sanchez and AJ McKee. As we mentioned earlier, these were recorded before Thanksgiving. Since then, Sanchez has been injured and forced off the card, and McKee has been rescheduled with a new opponent. So keep that in mind, but we wanted to share these interviews with you anyways. Uh, first, let's start with Emmanuel Sanchez, a Rufus Sport product uh, and featherweight contender who was really looking forward to this fight against AJ McGee. Hey, how are you? Doing well. How are you today? Good. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, thank you guys for the interview. 
you uh you told me that you wanted this fight uh so could you just kind of elaborate on why you wanted this fight in particular oh man i want every fight you know i love to fight uh i fight because i love to fight i'm uh i'm blessed i'm very fortunate and thankful to god every single day that i have the opportunity to do what i love to do you know every day and that's to go out and train and then to have the ability to go out and fight Oh, man, so now, yeah, I want every fight. You know, uh, for me, it's, you know, everyone who's in the division, uh, anyone in the featherweight division, I can submit, I can knock out. So I need to go out and prove that to prove I'm the best. So if I have to fight, you know, 50 guys before I get to the title, so be it, you know, to prove that. But, well, whatever I need to do, whatever I have to do, I'm going to go out and do it. And it doesn't matter who it is against, I'm just ready to go out and get my hand ready. Now, McKee has a lot of hype behind him, and you have the potential to kind of take his hype and make it yours. Um, you mentioned having to fight 50 guys to get to the title. How far down the line do you think that is? I do not feel like it's far at all. You know, I feel like, yeah, he's got hype, but just because he's got uh, his last name, but other than that, um, he's shined because he's had the right opponents in front of him to shine. He's never faced a shark like myself. So this is deep water. He's going to be going in and I'm going to take him to a place where he's never been. And uh, I know I'm right there, right there, very right there. You know, uh, I fought the guy who actually fought for the title. And uh, he didn't beat me. You know, I was robbed. But it is what it is. And now I think I've already, uh, my name has been in the hat for over a year now. You know, I fought the former champion last year. And I took him to war, too. So I'm just proving each and every single fight on why I'm one of the best featherweights out there right now. Speaking of which, you uh, you train with some of the best in the business, Tyron Woodley, Anthony Pettis, Sergio Pettis. Um, how does that atmosphere helping you? Does that make you the tougher, like uh, the toughest opponent that McKee's ever faced? I mean, absolutely. You know, you look at my camp and you look at uh, his camp, I mean, it's something completely different, you know? Not taking anyone down, no disrespect, nothing. But I feel like uh, the level that I'm at, the level of training partners, uh, everything, you know, it, uh, it's, it's ahead of his. So each and every way that you can stay ahead of the game, then, then you have that edge when it comes in, come fight time. Because, I mean, my coach... You know, is a four-time world champion, Duke Rufus. And my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, national champion, world champion in Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, ben Askren, Tyron Woodley, you name it as far as, you know, the level of wrestling that I have here in Milwaukee. And so on and, for, and so on and so forth in MMA, you know, uh, with Anthony Pettis, with Sanfone, with Eric Koch, you know, Sergio, and, and on and on and on. You know, you're You've been, uh, you're always so inspirational. You talked in the past about aspiring to um, be like the Oscar de la Hoya and kind of carry the legacy outside of the cage. Um, and just following you on social media, you're always just so upbeat and inspirational. Uh, where does that come from? Is that something you learned from your parents? Is that something that's just a part of you? Well, I've grown to know that yeah, I think it is, you know, part of me. And it is uh, part of my parents as well. Something that, you know, my coach... Duke Rufus inspires me to do too um, because there's just so much negativity, so much negativity in this world 
obviously we all see what's going on with all the just the horrible things that are going on in this world, right? That's one. And number two, there's so much of it already outside of MMA. People are trying to bring it inside of MMA. And with, I, it, I think it gives people the wrong impression of how an MMA fighter, you know, portrays himself, or is portrayed, excuse me, because, you know, you have that, like, Conor McGregor, you have guys like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of another big number, Michael Bisping, or just stuff, you know, where people will be throwing John Jones. That's sorry, that's another perfect example, not to put him down. But I, I get it. There's gonna, you know, you gotta hype the fight up. You gotta try to be the person that you are. But to throw chairs and waters and middle fingers at people and talk about their mothers and talk about, you know, just how much money you got and you're the best and everyone else sucks and you know, calling people bums and stuff. I mean. I, I get it. You know, you're hyping yourself up. You're getting people riled up, whatever, with, with the smack talk or whatever kind of talk you have going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We're all men or women, you know, in this fight game that we got families to feed. We got ourselves to feed. And, you know, we have lives that we didn't live, you know, outside of the ring. So I feel like the more we can lift each other up, that's the more you can help um, – you know, each and every MMA fighter around us. Granted, we're all against each other. We're going to fight each other. I'm not saying, hey, you know, we're uh, uh, going to build a whole this stuff together, you know, because eventually one day we might fight each other. But still, there should be no ill will towards one another, you know, and putting people down in that sense. You know, martial arts, so much of it was based on uh, respect and discipline. Do you feel like it's kind of, for whatever reason, drifted away from that more towards like WWE and spectacle? Yes, you know, but I, you know, I get it because there's also uh, within the wrestling. You know, I train with a lot of wrestlers, so a lot of wrestlers will have the mentality that, well, I'm number one, I deserve the title shot. But we've seen time and time again in MMA, it's not who's most deserving. It's who's going to sell tickets, who's going to put the butts in seats, the eyes on the TV. You know, uh, that's you know, that's what sells. I understand that. I, I I'm not going to be the bad guy though. I'm not going to change who I am. I think anyone. You know, who knows me or has spoken to me well enough that if you start to see me change on camera, you're going to say, that's definitely not him. And so don't try to be somebody you're not. You know, that's the way I see it. So I know the way I portray myself and the way I can, you know, spread the positivity and the way I feel about my life and the life of MMA and of being a martial artist, I feel like that's going to sell enough of itself and have a great following already as it does. Because I already have had many people in the MMA community tell me I'm, they're huge fans of my fights. They, you know, follow me on their social media, too. So it's been really great. It's been a great ride so far, and it's just the beginning. I'm just only moving on my way up. And, you know, I don't want to ever think or, you know, be like that. Or I don't need to put someone down to try to hype up a fight. You know, I let, I do my talking in the office. Um. Back to the fight more specifically, McKee is a, kind of a notorious fast starter. Is that something that you've, um, I'm, I'm assuming it's something that you've thought about and you're planning to combat. Is that something you're concerned with? Um, not at all. You know, uh, so many people in, in MMA could say, you know, or have said that uh, I'm a slow starter, but I wouldn't say a slow starter. I, I just think I probably pace myself too much or I overthink the fight too much. As opposed to, yeah, we got to get going right away. You touch gloves, you don't touch gloves, you're out there, make it happen, let's go. 
as my coach Duke Rufus would say, we don't get paid for overtime. So we get in, we get out, let's go home and let's go eat pizza. You know, on to the after party, on to celebrate. So um, do I think of it more like that? Yes, I do. Because granted, okay, he's explosive, he comes out guns blazing. But in the fights I have seen, he uh, he can fade within the first two minutes. So I'm not going to say I'm playing my cards right and doing this and doing that. You know, the a game plan is a game plan. Everyone's got one so they get punched in the mouth. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do me. Uh, and they call me the matador. I know how to tame the bull. I like that that analogy at the end. That's a good uh, that's a good punchline. Um, you just got your brown belt in jujitsu. Do you plan on using that more against McKee, somebody who's maybe known as a striker? Do you want to take this to the ground? Uh, I, I fight everywhere. You know, as my coaches would say too. Uh, when it comes to any department, my striking coach they'll say, "I'm not your striking coach. I'm your winning coach. You can take this guy down to middle." Let's go home. Faster, easy win. My jiu-jitsu coach, she says, you knock this guy out, we win. I'm not your jiu-jitsu coach. I'm your winning coach. So whatever we got to do to get the win, we'll do it. So go out and do it, you know. Uh, our coaches are very linked well together. So I'm not going to say that, oh, hey, yeah, this is the plan. We got to do this or here's the plan. This. I'm a mixed martial artist. Wherever the fight goes, I go. I get taken down. I fight from the bottom and I get back up. Or I look for the submission, and I, you know, I'm exciting from the bottom. If I, you know, he tries to take me down, you know, it's gonna make me laugh. I think that's gonna be inevitable because he can say what he wants to say, think what he wants to think, or what he's gonna do. But it's inevitable. A wrestler is always gonna go back to what they do and want to do no best, and that's go for the takes. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you. Thank you so much. You have a happy Thanksgiving. You too. All right, and now let's talk to his opponent, AJ McKee. Hey, hey, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to get this stupid seat away down there now. I wish I could say that I was better suited uh, to give advice on seatbelts, but I find myself struggling with them way too often. <laughs> Um, so before we uh we get into your bout i kind of want to just talk to you about your father if that's all right you there yeah 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 i'm sorry uh must have just cut out um so when you were uh what did your dad tell you when you first brought up to him that you wanted to get into mma no. <laughs> Just like that, too. No. Well, then how do... Go ahead. He's just like... He's just like... Business. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a sport, you know? He's like, no, it's, it's more entertainment right now than it is a sport. But, um... Finally, I'm like, dude, I've been wrestling since I was three years old, started doing jiu-jitsu when I was like seven. I'm like, are you serious? You, you don't want me to fight? Like, I grew up around some of the greatest fighters in the world, people that, like, other people idolize and look up to, and I look at them like they're a normal person. And I'm like, man, like, if I can't fight, like, it's, it's not that you're going to let me fight in the gym and become a fighter, or I'm going to be in the street and I'm going to do it. Can I have some money, please? All right. 
So oh, yeah. with that being said, he, he just kind of, well, if you're going to do it, he's like, I need you to commit to it 110%. So, all right, cool. So with that being said, he, he made me commit, you know, and with 110%, you're going to have to sacrifice being a teenager, sacrifice being a normal 20-year-old, 21-year-old, and, and grind like, like never before. And, and that's how it all started. Now, your dad definitely has a point where it's, you know, become more entertainment than sport. Uh, is that something he still kind of grapples with or is that something he's kind of understood? And where do you stand on that? Do you kind of see like, yeah, I have to be entertaining. I just can't let my talent speak for itself. It's it's a mixture of both. You know, you, you got to talk just as much as you, you, you back it up. And, and that's where Conor McGregor comes into play, you know, whether you hate him or you love him. He's talking his smack and he's backing it up. But at the end of the day, regardless whether you're hating on him or you're loving him, you're still talking about him. And, and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. But um, for me, I don't want to be that guy that the people don't like, you know. I, I want to be the guy that everybody likes and all the kids like and they kind of look up to and, and have a role model of, of someone to kind of be like. I'm sure that makes uh, life easier for your dad to see you not embrace the entertainment side of things. Yeah, it's 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 a business, man. Um, it, it's kind of a supply and demand thing, you know. You give you give the people what they want. They give the the promotion and and then what what uh, you give the people what they want. They give the promotion what they what they want, and the promotion will give you what what you want, you know. So it's kind of the supply and demand thing is it difficult sometimes to separate him as a coach from him as a dad or is it just been you guys have been doing it so long that it's seamless not at all man sometimes i forget he's my dad like we're, we're just so close like he's more of a best friend than than a coach and than a father you know um i, I can literally go to my dad and talk to him about anything and everything whenever so it, it's our relationship is a very unique relationship you know Everybody in the gym, all the other guys, and all the guys that have children and sons, you know, they're like, man. And anybody that really comes across us in our relationship, they're like, man, I, I, I idolize, you. like, your relationship with your father. Like, I really hope me and my, my son are that way. And, and I like to hear that, you know, just because because he didn't come from the greatest place. And, you know, he, he did everything in his power to make sure that I didn't grow up the same way he did. But... Me living in Long Beach, you know, it's always not the nice day in Long Beach as well. So I was I was around that stuff as well, but it was a choice, you know. It was a self-choice I had to make, whether I wanted to run with some homies in the street or whether I wanted to, to perfect my craft in wrestling or, or go down that wrong path. Now, you, you mentioned uh, your background in amateur wrestling. Bellator has made like, kind of a point to sign amateur wrestlers uh recently is it a good thing for wrestling as a sport that you know kids getting into it at a young age didn't necessarily have the future uh like a football player or basketball player or baseball player would knowing that there's a you know potential professional career in that is that you think going to help uh amateur wrestling grow um hopefully man a couple of years ago they were talking about taking wrestling out of the olympics and that's one of the oldest sports there is and um it's 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 honestly one of the greatest foundations to 
to MMA is, is wrestling, you know. My dad was a brute wrestler, and literally you can put any jiu-jitsu, any of the greatest jiu-jitsu artists you can name in front of him, and I guarantee you he will not get submitted by them just because of how, how strategic and, and on point his wrestling base is. So it, it is, it's a very key factor in this sport for sure. Now, turning to your professional career a little bit, you know, five – uh, fights, five finishes, all in Bellator. Um, you know, you see, some other fans get frustrated that they feel like Bellator isn't uh, is slow walk, walking someone like Michael Venom Page to the title. Do you kind of feel that same way? Like, hey, you know, five and zero, oh, I've been knocking people off. Let's get me into that title picture. Are you kind of just content to, um, you know, enjoy the ride? Um, I'm just enjoying the ride, man. I'm 21 years old. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a youngin in the sport. Um, but my record's doing its talking, and I, that's where I feel this fight is a great fight for me. Emmanuel Sanchez being where I've put him at number five in our weight class with uh, Georgie Kakarian being four, and then you go to number three at Pat Curran, number two at Daniel Welchow, and then, of course, the, our, champ, our current champion, uh, Strauss. So um, him being number five and fighting our number two, our number three, um, it going to split decisions. I I just I don't feel that anyone's done anything entertaining or outstanding to Emmanuel Sanchez. Where I feel that's a great gateway for me to go out there and show that I'm not a basic fighter like other these fighters. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna let this fight go to a split decision. You know I'm I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna finish him within the first two rounds. And, and make a statement that I'm not like these other fighters and that I am not a prospect. I am I am the young goat, you know. I am my eyes on the prize and that's to be the greatest of all time. Not just the hundred and forty five pound champ, but after that to move up to hundred and fifty five pounds and, and take that championship belt as well. I like I like the young goat name. I think that's uh really marketable. Yeah, you know, uh John Jones, he's he's the youngest champ ever at 23. I'm 21. I'll be 22 in April. So after this fight, December 2nd, hopefully I can get on that Tito Ortiz, uh, Stefan Bonner card because that's that's my home turf stomping ground. Hopefully my father can come fight on that card as well. You know, we go down in history and, and be the first father son or in, in, to compete in any professional sport as as father and son and to be able to compete at the same time you know no one no one has done that in any professional sport and then along with me hopefully after that getting a title shot and and becoming the youngest champ ever at 21 so you you mentioned john jones so you uh and you kind of just alluded to it there you want to become the youngest mma champ in history in any promotion any promotion worldwide it, no one, no one is, no one has beat John Jones at 23, um, and it, it, it's not even about the promotion. You know, it's Bellator is the second biggest promotion in MMA right now. Um, but I feel within the near future, Bellator will outgrow UFC, and they will be a bigger and greater organization because they. I love the way they treat us. You know, the fighters they. They're great. They're a great company. You know, they're all about their fighters, and they're always making us happy. There are little things that I wish they that could be done. You know, that would that would help out fighters. You know, a thirty thousand dollar fight knockout bonus or something. You know, 
that would that would change somebody's life, you know. That would definitely change the way a lot of people fight, being able to say, hey, okay, I'm making $20,000 if I go out there and win, but if I go out there and win and get a knockout, I get another thirty. I'm going to go out there and leave it all in that cage, you know, and, and it's it's going to come down to it. It's going to be you or I, you know, and most of the time it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. And and that's what I train for, you know, just to be able to go out there and fight at the best of my ability. You also mentioned uh, pursuing a second belt in a weight class. Was that something you had thought about before or is that kind of now that Conor McGregor's done it? Uh, David Branch, of course, has done it in World Series of Fighting. That That's become something that, uh, maybe was a goal, a new goal that you didn't have always, but now you have. It's funny because I wanted it before, and I've kind of. I, I feel like Conor McGregor's kind of paved the path for me to go and do what I, what I want to do, you know. But to do it even better, you know, he has he has flaws on his record. As far as I'm concerned, there are no flaws on my record. He wants to fight Mayweather. Well, guess what? In, in in my eyes, I am the Mayweather of MMA. I am the youngest, though, and that's the problem. I, I don't have a record to back it. I don't have the people to back me on it. But uh, in due time, you know, more wins, more more knockouts, more finishes. They they won't have they won't have uh, any option or or any any reason to deny me. You know, they they will have to acknowledge what I'm doing, and they will have to acknowledge my achievements. You know, given your record and your age, you're definitely in a strong position to establish yourself as the Mayweather of MMA. You know, years down the line, we might look back at you that way. Have you uh, been able to reach out to him or talk to him at all? Kind of pick his brain about how, you know, to go about pursuing that. McGregor? No, man. I'm, I'm Mayweather. Just watching his career. This father. Oh, Mayweather. Um. No, you know. Um. He's he's kind of at the end of his career, like like uh, McGregor has said. You know, McGregor said he doesn't. He, McGregor doesn't need Mayweather. Mayweather needs him. There's no one left for for Mayweather to fight. His 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 limelight is kind of dying out. You know, so that fight would bring his limelight right back up. You know, but who who wouldn't want to fight Mayweather for a hundred million dollars? I'll I'll fight McGregor and Mayweather at the same time for a hundred million dollars. That's that's life-changing money to some people, you know, and uh, that honestly, that's life-changing money to anyone. And um, with that being said, man, it, it's just it's just as much entertainment as it is fighting. So you you gotta you gotta weigh out your pros and cons and, and pick your fights and 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 just try to get get you get the the shortest and, and greatest route to the top with with the greatest fights and, and having the people behind you. Well, you have a bright future ahead of you. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Best of luck to you in your fight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this collection of interviews from Bellator 166. Myself and Elias are going to continue to do things like this. We love interviewing fighters. and We love bringing you their stories. We can't fit them all into the show that we do Wednesdays on the Facebook uh, Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page that we stream live. So we're going to continue to do things like this. So please stay tuned. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. And look out for our Bellator 167 collection of interviews. Coming soon.